The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic to cosplay to Schitt's Creek to Supernatural and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, just a quick trigger warning for this episode. Uh, We do mention briefly sexual assault. Um, So there are mentions of that, uh, mentions of kind of stalkerish behavior, stuff like that. So if any of that is triggering for you, just a heads up. Thanks. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, we are going to be discussing the show True Blood, which this was an interesting rewatch, and I know we're all going to get into this about uh, how exhausting this rewatch was, but I will say this was a hundred thousand times better than how my psyche was after the Ryan Murphy thing. So I will say at least it was better than that, but this was uh, very exhausting. <laughs> so this will be an interesting con- indeed. <laughs> yeah, be an interesting conversation, but I'm glad to have a great panel with me today. But before I have them introduce themselves, just a quick housekeeping note. Of course, we have opened up signups for our horror trivia event and really pay attention to this episode or at least go watch True Blood because I can tell you as a hint, there are some True Blood questions for our vampire night. So just keep that in mind while you're listening to this. You can go to our link tree or go to any of our social media and click there. And the very first link you will see goes to the sign-up sheet. And then you'll also be able to see the Google Doc with all the rules. Once again, we have changed it. So if you join, you don't have to attend all 10 nights and you're no one's going to be eliminated. It's basically just going to be accruing points throughout the night. And then we'll end up having a first, second, and third place winner. And once again... When you make that $5 suggested donation, which all that money that we see from that will be going to one Black Lives Matter organization, one Stop Asian Hate organization. So you're doing good. But once again, with that, you will get our new pin with our new horror logo. And you will also get a couple of other little goodies. So you get something no matter what. (laughs) So just sign up. Don't buy um, a coffee for one day and just sign up for our event. It should be a lot of fun. Okay, I'm going to go around and have my panelists introduce themselves. Start with Meg, who I feel like I haven't seen in like 10,000 years. So what are you into (laughs) right now, Meg? (laughs) Well, I have to say, I was trying to think of it and I was like, God, I've been so consumed with watching True Blood to get ready for this. (laughs) That I, that's literally the only like TV I've been consuming for the past week or so. I think I I watched seven seasons in like less than 10 days. Um, but other than that, there is a new podcast out, um, called Bridgewater, 
um, which stars uh, Kristen Bauer from True Blood is on it and Misha Collins and Nathan Fillion. And it's like a it's like an old kind of radio play. You know, so and it's really cool and interesting. So if you guys know, and it's the kind of thing that I really like, it's like a kind of a fantasy investigation kind of thing. And it's, it's fun. If you guys know any other podcasts like that, that are just a really cool fictionalized story. I would love suggestions because this is only coming out at one episode a week. And I'm like, I hate this. <laughs> why, did I, <laughs> why did I wait? Or why didn't I wait until it was all out? So I could just listen to the whole thing. I know there are some <laughs> out there too of the you know the fictionalized ones so yeah yeah and sasha who hasn't uh, been on for a while too I think. yeah i know <laughs> but then i'll be on non-stop so i know it'll, it'll all balance out it's fine um meg we're alive we're alive like zo- yeah if you like zombie survival story we're alive is the podcast that you want to listen to i think it's complete now because it's a several years old but that's a good don't listen to it while driving Okay. Um, I was listening to it while driving and there were gunshots and I like <laughs> yeah. were duck. Yep. Anyways, to cleanse my palate from all of the true blood, I watched the new um the new the remake Space Jam last night on HBO Max, which I think stops today because it was one of those like released in the theaters and released on HBO. So it's Space Jam, you know, the Bugs Bunny and basketball dude and sports balls and you know, feel good, cute, but it has lots of uh, pop culture references in it, I feel like. So it was actually kind of cute, but that was, that's the only thing I've done. Awesome. So basically it will be off HBO Max by the time this airs. Yeah, <laughs> so I think bother. you can still see it in the theaters, though. You, you can, can still see it in the theaters, and, and I feel like the stuff that releases on HBO Max, within two months it's back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. And Tanya, who also hasn't been on in forever. Yeah, hi. Um, I am into sleeping. No, um, I'm Tanya, <laughs> pronouns she, her. Uh, let's see. I Other than True Blood and the DMs were just fabulous between our group chat about <laughs> finishing this show this week. Uh, I'm going to say Flight of the Concords, which is a comedy uh, sitcom that came out in I think it was 2007 so I'm kind of continuing my my pattern of being into something like 15 years after 10 10 to 20 years past prime because we've been watching lost with the with the family um, and you you need to do a lost episode because I just have like a list of things to say about that but flight of the concords is great it's very I like very dry very goofy humor and it's it's just and and it's fun because you'll see um oh my gosh she played the darkness on supernatural she showed up in an episode emily emily swallow Swallow. Mm -hmm. yeah and you'll see kind of people in these little one-offs that you're like oh yeah that's cool i know that person from something else but it's very creative it's the folks who did uh what we do in the shadows and um some of those other very dry new zealand humor things that are self-deprecating and i love it so yeah, and I do have lost down on our ever growing. That's the thing with this show. I want to say I can never run out of anything. It's it's unbelievable. I would think, you know, I'm already planning next year's. I already have so many things on our little rough schedule, and I keep adding things, and then I'm like, man, it, just never going to run out of stuff. So don't worry, <laughs> we will never run out of things on 
show. Yeah. And did you do Game of Thrones yet? That's the other one. No, so man, but that's on my list. Okay. Bouncing between True Blood and Game of Thrones is just like, I got to, you know, go outside and get, <laughs> touch some grass. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's so depressing. I had to go hug a tree. I have uh, it's business time now from Flight of the Concords just running through my head. So thanks for that. <laughs> One minute in heaven is better. No, <laughs> we saw them live when they came like years ago. I was pregnant with my daughter, and we were in the front row, and they they like sang to to us and sat on Aww. my friend's lap and stuff. Oh, that's so. great! Thanks for that little memory. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I'm going to recommend a podcast too, because like I said, all I've been consuming is stuff for this podcast. So I am into this podcast called That Thing You Do, which is hosted by Darren Chris and Esty Haim, who, or Haim, who I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name right. I apologize, but she's one of the founding members of that band. And they just kind of interview people or interview each other or talk to each other. So if you are a Darren Chris fan, I'm sure you're listening to this podcast already. It just started. I started listening to it because during my um, um, Ryan Murphy binges, I became an even bigger fan of Darren Chris. So if you want to listen to something where Darren Chris curses nonstop, then you definitely want to listen to that because probably like every sixth word is a curse word. So, <laughs> so check that out. I also want to say I love that you put a survey out about who was the best like actor or whatever from Ryan Murphy and when Dar if Darren Chris wasn't winning you're like you guys you're wrong. oh I know <laughs> I know Just I admitted on the episodes I'm like I know I swayed these votes I don't care <laughs> it's one of my all time favorite performances so I'm like there's no like, way I'm not I thought it was gonna be like Darren Chris Darren C <laughs> D Chris D C <laughs> I should have done it that way. No, but once I put his name in the hashtag, that's when the votes just. <laughs> so, okay, well, let's get into True Blood. You don't know what True Blood is. Uh, well, I don't know why you're listening, but if you're listening just because you want to hear us talk about this show, True Blood, of course, is a show about uh, vampires coming out of the coffin so to speak. And also there is true blood is basically, it's like a blood replica thing that they came up with so that vampires could live amongst humans and coexist and drink synthetic blood, which you get the feeling tastes like crap and doesn't taste like real blood. Suki Stackhouse is the main character. She's not a vampire. You find out she's like a fairy and she ends up meeting Bill Compton a vampire and that's how she kind of gets involved with the vampire world. And it's just about vampires trying to coexist with humans, but it's also about a bunch of other supernatural creatures, like so many that it ended up being just about supernatural creatures. Like every single person I think practically was a supernatural creature at some point or something like that. So um, Meg, I want to know first off, do you like the way they presented vampires in this series? Oh, I actually did. I, for the most part, I think, I think they really kind of stuck to a lot of the kind of traditional tropes about vampires and being hunters and highly sexual and, and stuff like that. So overall, I enjoyed the portrayal. I am glad that they didn't have um, vampires who can't enter churches or, or have it be any kind of like 
spawn from the devil or Satan or evil in that sense. They are just a different creature. And it was interesting to see how the people in the town reacted to no longer being um, or knowing that they were no longer the like apex predator of the world. So I thought that was, I thought that was interesting. And overall, I liked how they were portrayed that way. And Sasha. I second what Meg said about, you know, some of the, like the scene with Bill when he's doing the, what is it? Our glorious dead, whatever <laughs> the thing is in the church. And he like uncovers the the cross and the, um, the guys are pressing the garlic press. Like they're aiming the garlic at him all aggressively. And he's like, yeah, we're, we're good. So I like that they kind of address some of those things. The one thing about the vampires though, um, that doing this rewatch really struck me was how differently they die compared to Buffy. Buffy vampires are much neater in their death. Like they just dust and are gone. These guys explode into big blood everywhere. Um, It's a very messy. So I prefer the Buffy vamps because they're like no muss, no fuss cleanup. These guys I feel like is just not, not good. But maybe more realistic. I don't know. I kind of like that, though, because otherwise it's like, yeah, you can kill somebody or a creature and then just sweep them away in Buffy. Right. <laughs> like, Which makes killing, it much killing nicer. Something, killing something should like make a little bit of a mess. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. All right. And that's enough about my brain. Moving on. And Tanya. Yeah, it's like uh, squishing a tick. It just kind of explodes everywhere. It's nasty. I, I think that's very intentional. Okay, what what did I like about vampires? I like that they have different abilities, if you will. So they're they're one thing that's always important, I think, about fantasy shows is grounding it in some version of reality. So they like individual humans have different strengths and weaknesses so some vampires can fly some cannot some are good at glamoring some are not right it and it depends a little bit on their age and who just their individual traits and whatnot um i also liked that as opposed to buffy you brought up buffy which was interesting i feel like if i'm remembering correctly the vampires in buffy if they bite someone it's much more likely they will kill them they will just completely drain them it's like a compulsive yeah thing and in this show that's not the case i mean they they can and they will but they don't have to do that to survive and so i think that creates the opportunity to have moral dilemmas and shades of morality in the vampires right in addition to the whole true blood being why they can come out and true blood is kind of like i love one of the characters describes it as slim fast sure you can live on it but it's pretty awful if you've ever done the slim fast. For me, I did like a shake for breakfast, a shake for lunch, and by dinner it was like a double double from McDonald's and fries <laughs> and a big old coke. You know, so you can imagine like, <laughs> sure it's possible, but oh my gosh, it's awful. Anyway, yeah. So I do, I I do like that opportunity. The vampires can feed on someone, but they don't necessarily have to kill them. I mean, I love vampires. Vampires. That's one of my favorite genres. And, you know, what, what I appreciated about this show was, yeah, I think in basically any iteration of vampires that you will see, usually when vampires drink blood, they drink until they drain the person or kill the person. Or in different cases, it might be they drink a little bit just because they're going to turn them, but it's a little bit different. And so that person ends up drinking their blood too. 
So I think as far as I can think of or remember, I think this is the only thing where I've seen it where they drink to just a certain degree. And then when they're done, sometimes like they have their own human that they might feed off of. And then it looks like sometimes what they'll do, then they'll be like, okay, I'll let you drink a little bit of my blood to maybe heal you if I've done too much or that kind of thing. Um, and I did think it was interesting to also have their blood be so powerful that when humans drank it, it was like they were addicted to it, like comparing that to a drug. And you would see, especially like in the first couple of seasons, I think more than anything, you would see the effects of that. I mean, I know it continued throughout, but it seemed like it was more prevalent in those first couple of seasons. But so I thought that was interesting. You had like Lafayette, like dealing vamp blood. And then when you had um, the sheriff get addicted to vamp blood. And so you had all these people like kind of getting addicted to, to this thing, to life, to a life form. And so you not only saw vampires loving blood, but you saw humans loving blood. So I thought that was a really interesting thing to put in there. And of course, I mean, you can't ignore the parallels in this to to people coming out of the closet in the LGBTQIA plus community to vampires coming out of the coffin. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it's like basically like neon (laughs) that they're comparing the two and vampires are about sexuality. They just are. I mean, they always are. So you're always going to have a lot of sex or a lot of sexuality or a lot of longing looks (laughs) in any vampire thing you take on. And it's one of the things that I love about vampire stories. And I think for the most part, for some of it, more in the beginning and a couple of other little storylines, they handled that pretty well. But I think sometimes, I don't know, it gets kind of stale and old. Yeah. Um, One of the things I thought was actually really interesting about the vampire blood in the beginning of the show, and I wish they had stuck with it, but I think it may have been just kind of a writing nightmare, was the idea that um, like like you're talking about with like Tanya said, where vampires have different abilities and they have their own history that their blood kind of reflects that. So Mm -hmm. you wouldn't know what kind of high you were getting whenever you were taking it. And I thought that was really interesting. And when Lafayette was, when we first see Lafayette doing it with somebody and he talks about how this is like a new vampire and he's still got a little bit of wild in him and stuff like that. And and then we find out though, that was probably Eddie. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the least wild vampire in the world. But I just thought that was so interesting to to make vampires not be homogenous, like this homogenous group that they were all just as individual. They were more ambitious ones. They were lazy ones. They were ones who and I love that scene when Sookie asks Eric, can all vampires fly? And he's like, well, can all humans sing? (laughs) (laughs) And that was just really cute. And that's that's all I was going to add. No, I completely, completely and totally agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get onto the characters. And because there are so many characters, we are not going through them individually. I have stopped doing that for most of our episodes, as you have probably heard. It's just easier this way. So Meg, who are your top three favorite characters? I had a little bit of a hard time, like narrowing it down to three. There's only a few characters that I really, really hated. Um, but I had to say Eric Northman and, and I should say full disclosure, I read all of the books too. So I came to the, to show the show with a lot of bias already. Um, but Eric is like one of my favorite characters. He's probably one of my favorite vampires, like in the genre. I just love him so much. 
um, Lafayette and Pam. Those are probably my three favorite characters. They're all just so unapologetically themselves. And I just, I adore all of them. And yeah, I had, oh God, I love Eric Northman. Sorry. No, hey, I 100% agree. (laughs) Well, and and Kristen Bauer Stewart, I think is actually her last name now. Alexander Skarsgård and Nelson Ellis just really did such an amazing job. And they went so full tilt and you could tell they were having so much fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And I just, I love them all so much. And I will keep it to three. Look at that. <laughs> you, you have no idea how, like, in the back of my mind, I'm like, talk about these ones too. And I'm like, no, I can't. That was, that was amazing, Meg. I'm talk very, very Terry. proud of you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very proud of you. And Sasha, your top three. I have a feeling that we're all going to have similar ones. So definitely Eric, for sure. Lafayette. I mean, come on. My other one, it's tied between Pam and Alcide, and I'm going to go with Alcide just because it's Joe and I love him. <laughs> so, but definitely, yeah. I mean, it's Eric and Lafayette and the dog. <laughs> and Tanya, your top three. Yeah, that's great um, timing with mentioning Alcide and a dog barking. But um, okay, so <laughs> yeah, true. no, I, I I think very similar. <laughs> Lafayette for me just makes the show, uh, especially rewatching. I noticed that, and it's interesting because in the books, uh, that is not a main character, and neither is Tara. And I want to, I'm going to say Tara. I really like that character, and especially her and Lafayette on the on the rewatch. Um, and then just, of course, Eric's great, but I'm also going to say, I'm going to shout out for Jason Stackhouse because he's so dumb and I love it. Like he's such a himbo sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's kind of, you, you end up liking him despite all the ways he's not great. Like he, and so in order to have that empathy for a character like that, I think that is the writing and the acting. So, Yeah. He's fun. He always makes me laugh. Oh, I just yeah, want to awesome. slap him so many times, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I punch him, too. <laughs> but I like him. I do like him a lot. And what I appreciate also about him is his relationship with with Sookie, because I think I think they were tempted in the beginning. And I didn't read the book. So that's why we're just focusing primarily on the TV show. But I think they could have, I think they were wanting to maybe create more conflict between the two. And I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they always had that relationship where they really loved each other and really looked out for each other. Yeah, they got into fights. Yeah, they got into disagreements, but they still loved each other a lot. So I liked them showing a healthy relationship between a brother and a sister on the show. I really appreciated that a lot. Okay, well, I'm just going to name characters that weren't named just to not repeat because I, I adore Eric. Yes, I second Eric. Uh, Sam, I love Sam. I absolutely adore Sam. When I first started this show, I wanted Sookie with Sam in the first season. Like I, he's just like my kind of character, my kind of guy. I, I think he's the most, even though I love Eric, I think he's the most, I think Sam is the most attractive man on the show physically and inside as well. Uh, so I have to get a big shout out. And I had a feeling no one else was going to mention him. So I'm really glad no one else did, unless they were purposely saving that because they know from the chat that I adore him. Um, I think Arlene is, I really love Arlene. I think she's sweet. I think in the final season, even though I don't like the final season, I thought it was interesting watching her struggle with her attraction to a vampire. 
And I think that scene in her head of having sex with that vampire whose name for some reason has escaped my mind, Meg. Keith. Keith, thank you. Keith, the 500-year-old vampire. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was one... (laughs) I thought that was one of the hottest sex scenes ever in this show, hands down. So I just want to shut up that sex scene. He was pretty sexy anyway, but I love Arlene. And then I, I do like Terry as well, so I'll just give a quick shout out. But Jessica, I like Jessica a lot. I think in the first season when she when she gets turned, she is so funny because she's such a bratty, spoiled little teenager. But you also feel bad for her because her whole life has been taken away, especially the fact that, you know, she was a virgin when she was turned. So because vampires can get healed, and I thought this was an interesting thing to put in there, every time she has sex, her hymen gets healed. So then it like hurts her every single time. I think I must have missed because it seemed like maybe that went away later, but I loved that fact. I thought that was, that was, that was, it was sad, but it was also an interesting thing to put in there, especially since vampires are so sexy and everything. But I, I liked Jessica a lot. So those are, those, those are mine. But Sam is, is number one, right, right next to Eric. Those are my two favorite, absolute favorite. Oh, I was just going to say, so they do still mention it in, I think it's, I don't know if it's in the final season. It's, I think it's in season six. They still mention it um, when, um, Sarah Newland is trying to get to Jason who'd infiltrated the prison camp. And her way to do that was to force Jane. That's how we meet James, the pacifist vampire, um, tries to get him to rape Jessica in front of Jason. And she says, it's going to feel like I'm a virgin, but trust me, I'm not. And I was just, God, it just broke my heart. I, Jessica's not in the books either. And I think that was oh, really? really, yeah, it was a really great addition and I love Arlene in the show so much more than in the books because in the books she was like crazy racist. Oh, <laughs> she went like full blown bigot in the books. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then I'm glad they they changed that a little bit. Um, okay, let's get to least favorites. So, Meg, I know you said it was really hard for you to come up with this list, but who are your three least least favorites? I know one that's going to be on everybody's list, but <laughs> Bill Compton. <laughs> Um, and I don't think I don't think Bill ever had a chance for me in the show. Like I hated him in the books so much, and he is so he becomes a very minor character in the in the books. I think after like book four or something like that, he's a fairly minor character, and it really kind of becomes Sookie and Eric's story for the majority of the books, which is part of what pissed me off about the show so much, to be perfectly honest. Um, but no, I absolutely, I, I hated Bill Compton. It was hard for me to think of characters that I, that I hated in that, like Sarah Newland is just, I love to hate her. There are so many characters that I really, really love to hate. Um, Bill Compton was just a completely insufferable character to me, character to me, through and through so i don't even think i have three i'm sure when sasha and tanya and you talk about it i'll think of more um but yeah it felt like so many of the other characters kind of served a purpose and and bill obviously serves a purpose but i just he's he's not my kind of vampire i don't know like i i just couldn't stand him and i guess crystal norris is probably in there too as one of my least favorite characters um but that's a lot of it too is from the books like she was terrible in in the books and she meets a really horrifying end so i guess that's it and oh there you go i thought of a third one ricky 
Ricky the the werewolf bitch. Like I could not. I hated her. And that's it. And now I'm going to be done. <laughs> Sasha. I completely agree with Bill, but I will give you three other ones. So uh, the Newlands as a couple, like just horrible, toxic people that I just hated. Um, Tommy, who comes in as Sam's brother, he was yes. a horrible, oh, yeah. horrible, horrible human being. Um, and I'm going to throw out kind of a controversial one. And it's just because she's so flipping annoying, but she does have one redeeming moment. And that would be Ginger. Um, so I can't, every scene with Ginger, she screams. Every scene. No, that's why I love her. Every single scene she screams. And she's just like this. Huh. The final season, though, you kind of get her backstory and how everything happened. And so I kind of get it. But my favorite scene with her that made me go, all right, maybe she's not that bad, is when she finally gets to have sex with Eric. <laughs> I and love like, that well, scene. How did you picture this? And she's like, on the throne. And then I straddle you. And he's like, all right, well, let's do it. And then she just kind of goes, <gasps> oh! And dies like she just falls over she's like that was amazing and he's just going okay like I heard his zipper come undone or anything yeah she just like yeah so ginger it's not that i hate i she's just super annoying to me but i now like somehow in my original watch i skipped season seven so this time I had to go back and watch it and it's the first time that I've seen it. So I was like, all right, I kind of get her story, but she just, she just rubbed me the wrong way. So those are my people. <laughs> I can see that. And Tanya. Wow. I'm going to really annoy y'all. Um, I liked Bill at first, um, but I think, like I said, mostly because I found the actor very attractive <laughs> and like the, the serious, like dark hair, blue eyes, that's sort of my, like jam or whatever so on the rewatch though yeah don't like him especially um when you learn more about his motivations etc but i'm gonna be controversial and i'm gonna say sam i did not like i know Aaron's Bye. like You're going to yeah. <laughs> i'm kicked out apparently um i i can i don't know i just have very mixed feelings about sam and i think it's um, he's kind of stalkery like it's and then there's there's just some very invasiveness of privacy it's for both bill and sam like not i'm not saying either one is is great everybody is kind of treating sookie not well uh and not respecting boundaries but other other than that i'll say the newlands i but i love them like they're so good steve newland is so perfect like the, they were perfectly cast and perfectly um, actualized uh, exactly as you would have imagined them in the books. But yeah, I don't, I don't always love Sam. Um, I also did not like the way they portrayed Alcide's dad. I like Robert Patrick. It's not that it's, this, that's a very different relationship. And I think it took something away because um, in the there's also okay throughout all of this there's of course commentary on the other on being a member of the LGBTQIA community there's racial commentary it's very if you want to take that metaphor further it's very intersectional but Alcide represented a class issue um, for Sookie because in the books because he's from a wealthy like upper middle class family his dad is wealthy he's very much like burdened with the whole family name oldest son's got to carry on this legacy and in the in the show they made him much more 
um, kind of, I guess, working class slash poor slash lower class. And Elsie's more of a self-made wolf, I guess. Um, so, which is, which is fine. I just think that that sort of you lose that, that part of the um, issues he has with interacting with the rest of the Bon Temps crew and, and Sookie as well. Cause Sookie's a little bit rural and, you know, working class for sure, et cetera. So that I'll, I'll say that. And, and the same thing, it's just the creepy stalker parts of it that really bugged me. And then in the book, she ends up with Sam, right, Meg? Yeah. And it's yeah. very they lined up together. It's very, but it's not good because it's very like, and they're together and it feels very forced. If, if that had evolved somehow, I would have different thoughts about it, but yeah. Yeah. Well, and actually that ending of the book. So I finished the books before season seven came out and I was just like, I was so mad about how it ended. Not because she wound up with Sam, but because it was very clear the last few books that Charlene Harris was writing for a paycheck. That story had wrapped up a long time ago. And if she'd even kept Sam as Sam was periphery for most of the books. So it was just like, if, if they had even put any threads of them together or have any real interactions throughout the books, it wouldn't have felt so bad, but it was just like, Eric has to marry the queen of Oklahoma and Sookie marry Sam. And like, that's it. So. <laughs> uh, well, and I'll say with the stalking thing, I think that is a thing that every male character in this show does. And it's really I mean, it's really kind of disturbing. Even Eric does it. I mean, he does that to Sookie a lot. Oh, so it is kind of disturbing that every male character does that. And I think that can be said for a lot of vampire stuff. Sadly, that's like the dark side of it, uh, which it should be actually, because I mean, they are predators when you really get it. <laughs> They're going to kill you. I think the um, difference but, with Sam, though, is that he's portrayed as being like this nice, regular, like, Joe. No, I, I see guy. I see what you're saying. I'm just saying that I think that that's, that's a big thing, that a thread that runs through the whole series is men stalking women <laughs> um, throughout. Uh, for my least favorite, of course, Bill, and I do not like the actor. I, I will say that up front. I think he is horrible. Uh, he made me cringe every second he was, and I love the dark hair and dark eyes is usually my thing. Like I usually don't like blondes and I think, um, Eric is very attractive, but I don't necessarily always think Alexander Skarsgård is very attractive. It's kind of like the character is what makes him attractive. So I usually go for that too. It's just the acting was so cringy the first time I saw it. And the second time I saw it. And no offense, but it just that's that's part of the reason I don't like Bill is um, and I'm saying no offense to him like he's ever going to listen to this. But still, <laughs> I just find him kind of cringy. And and I will say that's always been I've always been mixed on Anna Paquin. So that's probably why I sometimes was up and down with Sookie as well. But so Bill, number one and all the wear Panthers, I really didn't like any of them. I, I hated anything with them. Uh, it always made me feel icky and gross. And so I'm just going to say overall, basically, anywhere Panther is icky to me. The the scene where they've kidnapped Jason and they're all, all these women are trigger warning for rape here, but uh, where they're all raping Jason are just, oh, that was just really hard to watch. So um, yeah. And, and yeah, I just couldn't stand them. They just made my skin crawl. So definitely them and Bill, 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 Bill should have been killed right away. <laughs> 
Bill, my problem with Bill is not just that he stalks Sookie and then he wants to control Sookie and he wants to own Sookie. It's that he treats everybody like they're beneath him. And he acts like he is superior to every single person around. And I just, that just drove me nuts. And yeah, he's just not a good, good person. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Okay, well, we're going to move on to storylines now. And I want to know what your top three storylines were, Meg. And I, I do have to preface. I should have prefaced all of this. It's going to be very hard for me to 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 talk about the show without kind of thinking about the books also. Just because they, I think, anytime you consume media, it's going to be a, influence your opinions. So I actually, I really liked and this is not just because I love Eric Northman so much, but I really, really loved the storyline where he lost his memory. And I wish it had gone on longer than it had. And I wish that it had followed the books a little bit more in that. I loved seeing him because the whole thing in, that drove me a little crazy about the show with Eric was he is described in the books as having this joie de vivre. He's a happy vampire. Like he does awful things, but he is the, he's there for a good time. And he's never, he's not as brooding. And I, and I noticed it more on the rewatch that he was a bit more brooding than I, than I remember reading. So to see him when he loses his memory to be like, you know, grabbing Suki's butt and like running around. And, and even when he's like killing stuff, he's, it, that's much more like the Eric that I kind of pictured in my mind. And I, and I wish that it had gone on longer and I wish they had followed the storyline through more because it was like he gets his memories back and then that's it and then and they just really don't ever kind of address the time that the two of them had together uh, and in the books he gets his memories back but he forgets about his time with Sookie until later on and so that's just a really interesting dynamic that I'd wish they'd followed um, another favorite storyline of mine is I love Jessica's storyline I really, really loved watching, and and this she wasn't in the sh- in the books at all. She was created for this show, and I really loved watching a new baby vampire grow and kind of make these mistakes and mess up and make terrible choices, like when she when she killed all the little fairy babies, <laughs> like and kind of seeing that growth and and how her relationship with Hoyt grew and changed and and went downhill. So I really liked to watch that because so many times when you watch vampire media, these vampires are like hundreds of years old and thousands of years old. And, and to watch them kind of in their early years, I think is very, very sweet in a very, in a weird way. And I really, as much as I couldn't stand Bill Compton and I don't know what they did to Stephen Moyer's face after he became Billeth, like he looks like a completely different person. <laughs> I remember because I he was supposed to be 30 when he was turned, and he looks much older than that. And they explain it being like, well, 30 in the 1860s is a lot different than 30 today. It was a lot harder uh living. But then it was like, I don't know, it's like the do you remember the Simpsons where it's like Luke Perry in The Simpsons had like his skin hair tied behind his head? No, I, I don't Either watch way. The Simpsons. So. 
<laughs> it was very like they smoothed everything about him and it, and it just mm-hmm. was weird. But anyway, um, that's totally, totally off topic. I really loved his relationship with Jessica and how that grew, that father-daughter relationship and how different it was from say Eric and Pam's relationship where they had been together for uh, over a hundred years. They were, you know, they bickered a lot and got angry at each other, but it was never felt like feeling like a father daughter relationship between the two of them. It was always a very sexual relationship, how they, and that's kind of how they started. And to see that not happen with Bill and Jessica, I really, really appreciated that part of Jessica's story because I think it would have just been gross to be perfectly honest. And then I loved the whole Fellowship of the Sun storyline. <laughs> I just, I, I loved that. I loved how Sarah Newland justified all of her actions. And this is what, she's probably one of my favorite villains of the entire series. Because she believes so deeply that what she is doing is right. And she will justify anything um, to get that. And I love that she's portrayed as a villain because so many times when you see characters who have that kind of mentality, they're like the good guys and they, because they're doing it, it's the right thing to do because they have the right intentions, quote unquote. And to see her just be ruthless and awful in the name of, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I I just loved. So, yeah. <laughs> and very true to a lot of religions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yup. <laughs> And well, then she changes to a Buddhist. But yeah. Still. Still. <laughs> yep. Still. Yep. And Sasha. I also love the Eric with amnesia storyline. I absolutely love that because he's just like walking the street and has no idea, you know. So I love that version of Eric. Um, I also like some of the relationship stories. So Tara and Eggs. Like Tara was actually really happy with eggs and that was very sweet. And then Lafayette and, um, oh my God. Andy Belfleur. Nope. Lafayette and, um, Jesus. his, thank Jesus. you. I oh, was... I thought you were going to say Lafayette and Andy killed him. <laughs> no, no, because I'm picturing Lucifer and so all I can think is Detective Dan. And I'm like, that's not, <sighs> yes, with Jesus. Thank you. Um, I loved their kind of relationship as well. So I like those and Jessica and Hoyt's story. Um, I really liked that. And so when they, when originally he was going to move away and he had to get glamored so that he would forget everything, I was just like, oh, that's heartbreaking. So those are some of the storylines that I liked, just more like those couples together and their story. Tanya. Yeah, I would agree with all of that for sure. And I, what Meg said about the amnesia plotline being longer and a little different in the books, agree. I, I haven't read all of the books. I gave up, I think, shortly before it just got obnoxious for me. Um, but I want to say season one, I think was really good. Like, I really liked the whole way it started out as this kind of genre bending mix of, um, you know, suspense, mystery with the supernatural mixed in the supernatural parts mattered, but they weren't the, the main plot driver. And I think the whole idea, the commentary of 
the humans being the monsters. That's always interesting or also being monstrous, I guess. That's always interesting to me um, in sci-fi and fantasy kind of kind of shows like those questions about where is the morality, right? Um, and then in the first season, Sookie is using her abilities, as they put it, um, to kind of further the, the investigation into this um, situation. And, and if you're watching the show and you haven't read the books, you don't know who's done it. There's a lot of red herrings thrown around, right? You're like, what the hell? Um, what are they doing with this? So I thought that was actually really, really well done. The clues they're giving you, but at the same time, kind of leaving it, leaving it open. Um, and I don't know that I would have called the actual whodunit, the, the murderer, if I had not read the books. I, I don't know that I would have caught it. Like, I don't always do that. But otherwise, I also like, um, I really, I didn't say Andy Belfer, but I, I think he's so good. He adds so much to that role. And he's so, I like, I like the witches a little bit because they're, the witches, uh, curse eric right that's why eric loses his yes mm -hmm. yeah and so i kind of like that they brought that in that was pretty interesting um yeah so i would agree and the the joint has the joint hessica um there we go hoyt jessica joint 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 if you will what a horrible um, couple name that yeah. is a horrible couple name Hesica is pretty Hesica. bad as well Hesica is pretty but rusty. it's a little bit better than um, joint hoisica <laughs> and that's that's so that's i actually that was the one part of the final season that i did not hate i think entirely <laughs> but yeah, the the so we'll get to least favorite. But I, I did um I like that. I think the I'll, I'll save my the rest of mine. But um I think the first season's really really coherent, really tight. Like it's very everything is there for a reason. Even the wild sex stuff is there for a reason. Yeah. It um and then mm -hmm. from there it just <laughs> goes a little off the rails. Uh yeah, I I agree with the the Eric storyline with Eric losing his memory is probably my absolute number one favorite storyline ever on the show. And it's so sad to me that it seemed, it just didn't go very long and I would have loved to have seen it go longer. And, and watching Eric dealing with, you know, the, the scene after he's been out in the sun and he's playing in the water and he's so happy. And then when he comes out of there and he's so heartbroken knowing that he can never do that again, and Suki comforting him and that whole scene was so good and so beautiful, really, because uh, that was a totally different side of Eric that we hadn't seen. It was this vulnerable side. Um, it was this side that, yes, he's playful and he's having fun, but he's also dealing with the fact that there's so much that he's given up throughout his years, you know, because he's a vampire and how much he loved Suki. And it was it didn't feel like that bill compton possessive love it felt more like he just thought she was just the most beautiful thing literally he had ever seen and you could see it in his eyes and you know i think the performance was really great i just yeah hands down one of my favorite storylines of any any show honestly and i kind of like those storylines where people you know lose their memory it's a trope that i like and you know people that didn't previously uh like each other especially with Su suki 
I liked that a lot and they fall for each other. Um, and I just wish they had been in game as I'm sure a lot of people, I know that that won our poll and I'll go over our poll results soon here, but that did win our poll for who she should end up with resoundingly, which I knew it would be when I put it out there, but yeah. Um, and then other favorites. Yeah. I agree with season one, I think. And, and Tanya. Yeah. If I didn't read the books and I was kind of shocked at who it became because that character at first you really kind of like him. I mean, he's likable. He's funny. He's seems sweet. And then it, that just kind of changes, but I was kind of surprised. I think when I, I, at least from what I can remember from the first time I watched it, I knew he was the, I knew he was the killer the whole time, but I still liked him. Like in the beginning, I still liked him. And I think he just was, played so well yeah the performance was really good so i just sorry <laughs> no that's what, yeah and i thought it was good actually to give his character the thickest new orleans the thickest louisiana accent of any character on there because even though you would think in your head that might throw you and be like oh okay then he's definitely is it still didn't. It kind of was like, you were kind of like, why doesn't everybody else have this more authentic accent? And you realize it's because he's been studying this accent for so long. So I thought that was really clever in there too. You know, I, I, I like the Fellowship of the Sun storyline. I think that actually should have gone on longer, frankly. Um, I think it got overshadowed by other storylines. So I think that one should have lasted a little bit longer. So it's hard to say it's a favorite, but I did appreciate it and like it and um, yeah, I think, I think that's it. I, you know, it's, it was hard for me to come up with favorite storylines. I'll be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about least favorite storylines. Um, so Meg, what are your least favorite storylines? We touched on it a little bit, so I'm just going to just mention and not elaborate too much about the Wear Panther storyline. Um, I think what so many of the issues with some of these storylines in the show goes is they were using the book as source material and they're like, Hey, this is great. And then they completely forgot how to make it work. Um, The fairy, like they would just be like, okay, here's a storyline. And it could be really, really interesting. Like the Were Panther storyline could have been interesting. It was interesting in the books. Um, And they're just like, Oh, never mind. We can't, we can't make this work. And the same thing with the fairy, the fairy storyline and the Fae, because that could have been, um, really, really interesting to kind of watch. And I think more of my least favorite storylines are not because I think they're really bad, but I think they're just really missed potential. Similar with like, you know, Supernatural when you're like, this could be so good and you messed it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I just want to touch on the thing that was really interesting about Renee. And, and not everyone is going to have that accent Um, because he was Cajun and Creole and that's more of a Southern Louisiana and they were up North by Shreveport in Northern Louisiana. So there is going to be difference um, in accents there, but so at least favorite storylines, I was not, I hated the storyline of season seven, not necessarily like the Hep V part of it. I think that could have been again, interesting The The whole like Yakuza thing just, felt gross like why couldn't could they have been villains without having to like oh well they're asian villains they gotta be like triad or yakuza or something like that and it was just it rubbed me the wrong way and it might be because of what's been going on recently that it really bugged me but because i didn't watch season seven 
when it first aired because mm-hmm. I was so mad about how the books ended that I just couldn't I couldn't watch it anymore. So that was very frustrating for me. Otherwise, like there are things where I'm like, I wish it, I would just wish it had been done better. The Faye storyline I think could have been really, really good. They killed one of my favorite characters from the book really fast. Um, and I think least is not the wrong, is not the right word for it, but one of the most heartbreaking storylines for me in the show was Terry's. Um, how he ended, how everything ended for him. I think they did such, they did a really good job with showing his PTSD and him trying to kind of overcome it and having this beautiful life that he, he loved his life, but he still had, couldn't overcome that. And he still struggled with that. And I liked that depiction of, it doesn't just go away when things are great in the now. Um, And I think it broke my heart when he decides to, to have himself be killed. And then Arlene glamours has him glamour to forget all of that pain. And just for him to, to die right after broke my heart. So it wasn't like a least favorite storyline. It just, I, I was so sad when he died and then, but he had such a beautiful funeral and I think he probably wound up having one of the best deaths kind of in the show. And it was, and it was so interesting to see because people die all the time, but they're almost all dying from supernatural causes. And to have this yeah. just be like, he just randomly got shot as far as anyone is concerned outside of the little, the no. And it just, it, it just, yeah. So I was going to be quick, but I was not. No, that wasn't bad. <laughs> that wasn't bad at all. Sasha, what are your like, um, favorites? I'm going to be real quick because Meg stole all of mine. So um, I hated. Finally, the... no one took mine. <laughs> yeah, I hated the Were Panther storyline. Um, I just I didn't like anything about it at all. The fairy storyline for me, it parts felt very forced, and it just got really muddy. And I agree with Meg. It's like they had an idea, and then somewhere. I don't, a, a writer went on a tequila bender and came back and was like, this is what we're going to do. And it just went wrong. I don't know what happened with the, the fairy storyline. So um, that one got really muddy. And then, yeah, I, I'm going to leave it for Tanya to expand on the whole Yakuza one. Cause I know she's got feels about that, but there's one scene where Eric is driving the car and I is fast and the furious at the same time. Like did, Tokyo Drift or something come out at the same time as that because it felt very fast and the furious in there, yeah, like with know. the cars. Tanya I was just like, ready. Tanya's just like, yeah, I was like, things. what is happening? It just, the whole thing was, I agree, it was very gross. It was very, it was not good. So I'm going to let Tanya segue into that one. But those were my <laughs> ones that I was like, huh. Yeah. So Tanya, Thank yeah, thanks for letting me like rip it up. Um, it was bullshit. It was stereotyped, and and the show, yeah. So I'm gonna say Hep, the Hep V storyline. I didn't like. There's other reasons for that. The Yakuza bit, um, just absolute bullshit garbage, frankly. Um, and then the and I'll say more about that. And then um, the Billeth. Nobody missed. Nobody mentioned Billeth oh yet, God, right? I forgot like, about Billeth um, again. And Every I, time I think, well, I, I haven't gone yet. <laughs> Sorry, I think I blanked out the um the Were Panthers. Like I remember them vaguely, but I think I was like, what the fuck? Anyway, okay, there's your first F word. But um, yeah, okay. So more on why Tanya is offended. So this show is offensive. It makes fun of stereotypes. It walks the line, but it does so in a way that is 
satirical and making a commentary most of the or in when it's doing it right right but by the time we get to season seven you are absolutely right sasha the they all have to go somewhere and it's these very specific cars and these very specific colors and it's very fast and furious it's very i don't know it looks like they just took stock footage of fast and furious and put it in true blood <laughs> it's so stupid and then the yakuza literally run into this big republican fundraiser which was also one of my favorite parts of season seven, but they run in with their swords out shooting just. Sh and I'm like, okay, the problem, all of the problems with this show is that when it maintains at least a tangential, <laughs> very ephemeral relationship with reality, it can be really good. But when it just goes full on batshit offensive, it's, it's garbage. And so here, I think this is common. I'm going to get on my soapbox for a minute. I think this is common in sci-fi fantasy shows because what happens is these shows start out with this very interesting question. What if vampires were real? And what if we knew about them? Okay, that's different. That's really interesting. A couple of shows do that. Um, True Blood is one or, or products do that. The Anita Blake series um, by Laurel K. Hamilton, right, is another one that I think of a lot when I think about True Blood. Um, so those are really interesting questions. But then they end up becoming, and I am a middle-aged, middle-class white woman, so I get to say this. They end up becoming middle-aged, horny white woman wish fulfillment. And I do not mean to be yes. like, no, I'm true. not trying to slam women's sexuality like you know, Laurel K. Hamilton, if you want to imagine a three-way with a fucking werepanther and a werewolf and a vampire and you, you go nuts, lady. Like you, you know, more Don't power Don't forget to the succubus and incubus. Right. And, if, <laughs> and if, if people want to like do that, fantastic. But that for me is not storytelling. That is just, you know, okay, what can I think of that's fucking weird? You know, and I had to swear a lot, but it's just. It's all I, fairy porn. Yes, it, exactly. And, so and I can say that because I'm on book number 25 of the Anita Blake series right now. Oh, there's oh, 25? Oh, oh, there's wow. 30 of them. I oh, ended it. I think I stopped reading those at book 20 or something. There was at one yeah. point where it became like it was so cool and interesting in the beginning. And then it became to this point where she just yep. has to fuck everything. Right. Like, that's exactly. the whole book is her just yeah. having sex with everybody all just the time. Exactly. To keep her alive. Yep. And I'm like, this isn't good. So anyway. I know we we tangented and this this series and show doesn't quite do that. But the, the way I see that it is analogous, it's like you have this really great idea. And like I said, season one and some of the other seasons are quite concise. You're making a point. You're telling a story. There's an arc, but there's also a you wrap something up. But the problem with the supernatural based shows is they have to go into even more and more supernatural. And that just feels unintentional and very sloppy so it becomes like okay there's vampires and there's a shapeshifter and now werewolves and oh my god she's a fairy and oh also were panthers and then there's this other shit and it's like mm -hmm. look just stick with what you're doing do it well and be done with it and it's easy for me to say who's not depending on that for my my food you know and my livelihood etc but it just i think that's the problem that a lot of things fall into is they just get you know, there's a balance between world building and going further into that world, into the supernatural world and telling good stories. And a lot of shows tip too far into the, we're just going to go into these weird 
areas into these side quests because they can exist here instead of having a purpose for doing that. Yeah. Well, and I think yeah. such a big problem with, with that is, especially when you're looking at shows or movies that are based on books, um, because it seemed like the people who are writing True Blood were like, okay, these are all storylines in the books and we have to get them in the show because otherwise people who love the books are going to get mad. Except the difference is there were 10 books, 10 books. So it wasn't like you open the first book and it's like, there are vampires, there are werewolves. Like you had, it was a gradual process that made sense. And in the show, it was just like, well, yep, she's a fairy. Like, and we'll just throw that in there. And now we're going to, and, and yeah, I completely agree with you. And I just, I just wanted to kind of add that little bit. And I also wanted to say, I hated the whole Bill Sookie storyline. I, I hated, I hated how it ended. I hated the end game of them. Mm. Like I, it was so, when she stakes him in the coffin, it was so, and they were talking about how gross it is when we kill them. And she's like in bill soup. <laughs> yeah. Ah, I, and I, I, I yeah. One more comment. First of all, suck it. And then, okay. oh yeah. Said that yet. That's so dumb. I laughed. There's a whole YouTube time. video. with yeah. just that. Yeah. It's just all the, all the edits of him saying, so he, um, Okay. No, I was going to say the other one this reminds me of that this has happened to is Dresden Files. I love the Dresden Files books. Um, this is Jim Butcher. It's uh, They're great if, you, if we haven't talked about it yet. Um, however, they again, they get too far down into the rabbit hole of, okay, now we have fairies. Now we have this. Now we have the fight between the light and the dark fairies. And it's like, and I agree. Like, I just think you've got to have a more satisfying thing to say or do without diverging into 50 different side quests yeah. yeah well and i have to say once Stephen moyer and anna paquin got married as far as, like i'm just gonna go to the bill sookie thing once they got married it became uncomfortable i think even to watch the and, and i know there's a difference between fiction and reality and everything like that but it just i got so angry about bill compton in the show and to see her back and and that's a whole other thing and i will keep mostly quiet about it except for the fact that all the good stuff eric does in the books they gave to bill in the show and it made me so so angry and that's <laughs> yeah i mean i think pretty much all of season three bugs me i don't know i didn't like watching it i don't know what i can't pinpoint the exact reason it made me feel icky watching season three um i agree i think i think with shows like this and we talked about this a lot when we talked about ryan murphy is and when we talked about American Horror Story in particular and Nip Tuck is they want to just push this envelope and go weird or into some other kind of place. And you kind of, you, the point is if you're going to do that, have a reason to do that. Don't just do it because you want to do it. And that's the problem with this show. That was the problem with uh, Nip Tuck. That's the problem with American Horror Story is it's just like, okay, we just want to keep going and pushing as far as we can, just because we think it'll be cool to show and do. Um, and not just because it's, I mean, I'm sure with this one, it was the books as well. But also, I just think that's a problem in general in any of these kind of shows. I mean, True Blood is a lot lighter than those other shows I'm talking about, like 100 times lighter. But at the same time, it's still got that thing where we're going to, we're trying to be we're trying to push the envelope. We're trying to get it as twisted and as out there as we can. So let's throw in this weird creature and let's throw in this weird thing and let's throw in this weird supernatural thing and this weird couple and this weird storytelling, And but have no point to it. And if you have no point to it, you're only doing it for shock value. And that gets old really fast, like incredibly fast. 
And I actually think this is a problem with the fact that we've got prestige television and when HBO and Showtime and all these started pushing the envelope and doing that and FX and everything like that, while it's produced some amazing shows, I think it's also kind of made showrunners feel like they have to push the envelope in order to be considered a prestige television show. And it's fine if you're doing that, if, like I said, it has a point, but so many shows don't do that. They just do it like, how many boobs can we show in this episode? How many asses? How many times can we show someone get assaulted? How many times can we do, you know, and it's just like, after a while, it just, you become numb to it in a way, but you also become so annoyed with it that you don't care anymore. And so, yeah, so any kind of point you're trying to make is just going to be lost because you're just doing it for the shock value. And that's, I mean, that's why, like, I don't like torture porn because it's the same kind of thing. So, yeah, Tanya. Oh, I was just going to say I agree. And that's a really great way to put it. And we've, as I said, I've been rewatching Game of Thrones with my oldest, who's 17. So don't freak out on me that I'm watching it with a young <laughs> child. And she read the books, but it's great because we can sit there and watch it and, and point out all the gross male gaze. And then there's just nudity that makes no sense. Right. Or there's just, and that's in addition to the stereotypical portrayal of the Yakuza, that's what I found so offensive is just, it, it doesn't make any sense. There's no point for this. And it's just like someone was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, snort a line of Coke and write this scene of the Yakuza in here. It's just completely out of place and, and lazy. I don't know. I'm going to call them out on that. But the whole, you know, we're watching Game of Thrones and I'll kind of lean over to my daughter and be like, you know, there haven't been any boobs in this in 20 minutes. Uh, how do I know those are women? Or how do I Oh, mm -hmm. how do I know I'm watching the right show? I haven't seen any tits in a while, you know, so we'll, we'll joke about it like that, but it'll just, it's just so gross. All right. More on that later. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's like when we were doing American horror story and Eli said, you know, Pasha, I'd be like, or Pasha said it, Eli, and I'd be like, okay, how do you think this season's going to start with incest, rape? Or, you know, a particular kind of murder. And you just, I mean, it, that's just the way it is. So then you get to the point where you're like, what is the point of this? You're just rehashing the same thing and you're not doing it to do anything. It's just, yeah, it just gets old anyway. Okay. Um, well, let's move on to that, the, to representation, which we, which uh, Tanya and everybody's kind of touched on a little bit, but I want to get deeper into that. Uh, because there are positives and negatives, of course. So, Meg, what do you think the positives and negatives are with the representation? Well, I mean, I guess kudos for having some amazing, well-fleshed-out uh, people of color as characters that didn't die right away. Um, I think we all mentioned Lafayette as being one of our favorite characters. He dies right away in the books, like in, in the second book, very early on. So, um giving him such a fantastic story arc. Like I, I love, I mean, we didn't really talk too much about Lafayette's story arc and, and the backstory and how thoroughly thought through this character was. And I think a lot of that is Nelson Ellis and, and just his talent. Um, and then Tara, I, one of the reasons I stopped watching the show was when they killed Tara and she died off screen. And it was the most like, <sighs> I, I just hated it so much, but I mean, she lived for six seasons, which is pathetic. 
in that it was like something that you kind of noticed. I appreciated in a lot of ways sexuality wasn't like there wasn't there was homophobia in there and things like that and it, but it wasn't like a driving thing which you would kind of really expect in a small southern town if I'm being perfectly honest and stereotypical I guess but it was very fr- one of the most frustrating things for me as far as representation and again I will add stuff when I hear other people talk because that's <laughs> That's how I roll. And also, I'm a little hungover right now. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was so interesting how prudish all the, like, Bill and Eric both were when it came to, honestly, just Suki. Like, they're so possessive. They they couldn't, mm-hmm. That's couldn't true. imagine her being with anybody else. But they were free to do who, do whoever they wanted. And stuff like that. Um, Eric was, was I think, less so than Bill. We see Eric with men. And, and I feel like if you're a thousand years old, you're going to try just about everything. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. Like I said, I will think of stuff as y'all talk. I realize I don't like going first. <laughs> uh, Sasha? I want to point out, yes, everything, you know, makes it. Like, it was nice that. Lafayette I was really thrilled because I read the first couple of books so I was really thrilled that he survived for the show because he was such a fan favorite and I think he he unfortunately or fortunately whichever way you want to see it his character is kind of tasked with like calling out all of the like hey I'm gay and I'm black and I'm this and he has to carry all of those minority kind of traits that's not what i'm trying to say you know what i'm trying to say like he he has to be the the one that carries mm-hmm. he does all, all of, that lifting yeah, yeah he does thank all you that lifting yeah mm-hmm. words not working um <laughs> but i want to point out my favorite thing that i think really shows for him is uh when they're at sookie's when her grandmother gets murdered and everybody's coming over and they're bringing the food and lafayette is like great another white person casserole like and he's you know they're packing up and Tara's like what are we gonna do with all this food and he's like throw it away like can you smell this like it's this is just sad it's sad it's pathetic like the white people no flavor and I my husband is Hispanic and we've been to several um predominantly white people parties and he's always like the food what's with the food and then he's like why do they always pick up immediately like i like to graze at you know hispanic parties they don't you food is out all day why is and there so many mayo-based dishes yeah it's all some kind of flat casserole something like there's a tuna casserole there's a chicken casserole there's a chicken salad a pasta salad and they all look the same and so it was just funny knowing how my husband feels about parties and then for Lafayette to actually make the comment about great, another casserole and smell how sad this white people food is. It just made me giggle. Cause I was like, that's, that's accurate. It's well, sad. I think, I think it actually even went beyond just to touch on that. When he talked about, you can tell when love is put into food and these people who are coming were bringing the casseroles. They were coming to, to spectate. They weren't there mm-hmm. for any good reasons and I think that was one of the things that hit me most about that not even necessarily that it's like sad white people food which it really was 
um, which mm -hmm. is hilarious because it's Southern cooking and that's always kind of like, yes. But the idea that food is a love language and to Lafayette, it is absolutely a, a, a showing of love um, mm -hmm. and how all that, none of that food was given to her with the correct intent behind it. Right. Even, you know, Maxine Foytenberry's like, I should have come here sooner. Like I came too late. There's no blood, you know, and it's definitely a spectator sport. Yeah, I, I wanted to go into a bit about, oh, Deb, you know, you bring that great uh, jello salad to the Lutheran picnic in the potluck. And I just, I, that am, you know, that snicker salad, so great. Um, anyway, Meg will get this because she's from Wisconsin. And, and I, <laughs> those scenes are all the, all the salads that are not salad yeah. at all. They really have like right. six bags of marshmallows in them. Right. It's like... <laughs> No, I'm not kidding. We're not kidding. Like, no, we're not even. I believe you. We could do a whole episode about the food. And, and that definitely hit that for me because it was as much as some of that food is nostalgic for me. It's like, ooh, wow. No, nobody should eat this. This is yeah. really terrible. But, but if anyway. you call it a salad, it's healthy. Um, right, exactly. It doesn't matter if it's marshmallows, chopped up Snickers. There's an apple in there somewhere. It's and called pretzels. Snicker salad and it's delicious. Um, and I, I will say that. But anyway. Yeah, I think Tara also has to carry a lot of the uh, racial relations commentary on her character. It's it's good in a lot of ways. Like she is upset about Bill initially because he's kind of casually talking about. By the way, that was like the the thing I hated the most, maybe about season seven, other than the Yakuza. And the um, Bill Sookie thing happening again in a weird, gross way. And then him exploding on her. It's, I mean, come on. Like, I also agree. Bill needs to get over himself. And he really shouldn't have been a focus after season, I don't know, three. But anyway, the they do a disservice to us, to the show, to everyone, by trying to retcon Bill as some sort of woke Civil War era <laughs> white ally of black folks and i'm like what i think i literally just i think i texted all you guys and i was like what the fuck like this is some bullshit like th so basically they have him as he's dying of hep v he's becoming more human what the hell and then also um like re re recollecting these memories and he's basically tr trying to avoid fighting for the confederacy and trying to help um a couple of african-american folks get to the underground railroad and get out of there and i'm like okay yes yeah. would we would we all have hoped we would be on the right side of things yes would we but that's just like it's so offensive i think to black folks and to folks who live that history and and to folks who continue to fight for racial just racial justice i was just like i don't know what the reaction was at the time that aired but i can only imagine it now and it was i think one of that's the grossest kind of whitewashing yes that yeah. i was, saw because in the big like in the beginning when they talk about gran wants to like had her meeting of the descendants of the glorious dead talk about the war of northern aggression and and it was gross watching it but at least they were honest about the realities of mm -hmm. what people like and this is something that people do they have these like these th clubs right or wrong whatever however we personally feel about it 
And and it was so it was so gross when he talked about it because he talked about how he didn't own slaves, but his dad owned slaves, and he remembered one minus his like the a houseboy or something. And then he is rightfully called out about how like he's like nostalgically mm-hmm. um, waxing poetic about his life, which I get it. It's your it was your life, and but to then have it be retconned in that he ran into minus. And uh, was trying to help Minus and uh, people avoid going to war when that's absolutely not what he, with who, how he was raised. And you could tell that was not what he would have done. It just wasn't, don't pretend, but then to have him like find Minus that he, rec- that he talks about in season one and to have it, Minus die in such a gross, horrifying way while he's trying to help. It's just, it, and he dies for for Bill's pain. Like that's yes. the other part of that that we didn't yeah. say. And then at least in season one, you have Tara as a character saying, "This is he, she's recounting this this meeting and saying this is some this is messed up. This is a problem yeah. that you know." And so well, you even have her that name. kind of exactly you have yes. that kind of response to it. And it's but by season seven, she's been killed as you said egregiously off screen mm-hmm. i do want to talk about tara and her mom but i don't want to i know sasha's been waiting so i'll come back to that i just because you mentioned tara and i completely forgot about her scene with that meeting when bill's in the church and everything and jason thinks that he's like in love with her or whatever and he's like can, is this seat taken can i come sit and she's like yeah just what we need more white folk you know it's like great another white dude come on in bring yeah, it in is- but it was so gross in that meeting the only people who are calling out any of this racist bullshit are tara and lafayette are are the people are black people? You don't see a lot of people being like, um, "Hey, this is gross. Why are we, why are we doing this?" And I think when we talk about them having to do the heavy lifting as far as that representation, I think that's something that we talk about. There aren't anybody else who are like, "Hey, this is pretty racist, y'all." <laughs> like, yeah, can we maybe like not? Yeah, I just I did want to mention the one one thing that I do appreciate when they do a a good job with making the characters not tokenized is showing the complexity of real individuals who Mm -hmm. happen to be people of color, happen to be people of a specific identity. So showing the conflict between, um, you know, accepting Lafayette's sexuality among other members of the African-American community. Right. And that's, Mm -hmm. I think that that's, it's challenging, but I think that it's um, important to have, have nuance within that. Yeah, I mean, I'll just second basically what everyone has said and um, not add too much to it. Uh, I, you know, I I do appreciate how open they were about sexuality at times, but at the same time, it felt kind of like they would have it in there and then they were like, okay, well, we're going to stop making that character part of the LGBTQIA plus community. And we're going to, you know, like when Jason was exploring his sexuality and that just kind of became this abruptly ended, I'm going to fall in love with this random, you know, guy (laughs) or girl, sorry, who I can't remember her name now, who was with Hoyt when Hoyt came back and just, I'm just going to randomly end up with her. And that's who I'm going to have all these babies with at the end. Yeah. That was just so, stupid it's just so stupid in my opinion because it was just kind of like okay we're going to dangle this there where we might explore this 
but in the end, we're just going to be like heterosexual good. <laughs> and I, and I mean, they, I mean, Lafayette, they didn't do that with, but at the same time, it was like, okay, we have the token character that we're going to have him stay that way. And so we'll be okay if we make everybody else be in this straight heteronormative world. I mean, really, that's kind of what I think they did with a lot of the sexuality in this show. Maybe that's just, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, the bi erasure that you just said in the comments there. Yeah, Tanya. Well, yeah, I mean, they do that with every show. I mean, they do not like bi characters on shows. They just don't. So, well, it's like, of course, the bisexual character is the one who cheats on his monogamous relationship with someone of the opposite gender. And that felt kind of gross. Shows and movies and don't like bi characters. Um, and if they do have bi characters in there, it's usually a stereotype. It's very rare that any show ever does that correctly. So yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I just want to mention briefly, witches, the representation of witches in this show, I'm very mixed on because I think this is something that, and I talked about this when we talked about American Horror Story, but this is something that media gets wrong 99.9999% of the time because people like to associate witchcraft with satanism and like to say that witches are satanic and that's completely not true i've known a lot of people who are pagan i've known a lot of people that practice that that practice witchcraft and while i think this show did good partially i I don't know there was something about it that bothered me where i don't know having the witches so opposed to the vampires and the vampires so opposed to the witches and I don't know, there was something about that that rubbed me the wrong way. And I still can't quite pinpoint what it was about that. But I do appreciate that uh, they didn't make all the witches like bad or they didn't make all the witches evil, which I was really worried they were going to do. I was like, OK, yeah, all these witches are just going to be just horrible, horrible people. And they're going to do horrible things because that's what witches do. And so I was really grateful they didn't do that. And I know it may seem weird to put that in with representation, but I think that does matter because it's how you represent a religion and people do not represent witchcraft well. Like, you know, I still think there were some issues with it. I I don't know. I think this show does well sometimes, but there are a lot of another thing I think this show does tend to do is they have a lot of, you know, they have a lot of black characters sacrifice themselves for white people. And that's a trope that Mm -hmm. has been around for centuries and sadly, you know, won't be going away anytime soon. But yeah. Yeah, well, I think Holly actually was a really wonderful Wiccan character in the show. I I liked yeah, Holly no, I a lot. We That's we never we didn't like. yeah we didn't talk about her very much, but I I thought she was a great character. I thought her and Andy's relationship was was really sweet. Um, and I just yeah, I'm I I totally forgot what I was going to say. I did like I enjoyed the witch storyline kind of overall and i think a lot of that is because it's tied to amnesia eric and everything like that i thought part of that storyline that was so interesting is as far as this like coven i guess goes like they're looking at this as their religious meetings and Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily know what marnie is up to when she starts doing this there's that one guy who's really 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 kind of extreme and with their with her and he just wants to kill vampires a lot of them kind of don't realize what they're messing with 
when they start with the necromancy stuff, which is why mm-hmm. the vampires. And I didn't get the impression that all of them hated the vampires or anything like that. I think a lot of them didn't understand why the necromancy would cause the vampire, like vampires to be like, wait a minute, if witches can control us, that's obviously bad. Um, And I thought what they did do a good job with that though, is there were people who were like, we got in way, way, way too deep. What in the world are we doing? And, and wanted to do the right thing, but it's, difficult to try and do that when you're surrounded by everybody who is saying, yeah, no, this is the right thing to do. We're doing the right thing. This is good. Um, Not that that's an excuse for anything like that, but I thought it was interesting that how that storyline goes with Marnie taking Antonia into herself and Antonia being like, okay, this has gone too far. This is gross. And Marnie winding up because Marnie starts out being like this meek and seemingly, um, like this seemingly gentle character who just wants to to practice her religion and she winds up being very very much an extremist and i was grateful for the most part none of the witches kind of followed along with that they were just trying to protect themselves and not kind of realizing exactly how big what they were getting into was and now i am rambling no i say no, no that's why i say it's up and down for me with it i don't know i think too often when people do witch storylines, they do this where they have the witches go too deep and too mm-hmm. far into the magic. And it's just like, <laughs> I mean, that's very, yeah. I'm trying to think if I know anyone who's been pagan and or anything and like has gone too far. And paganism already gets such a, I mean, Christianity stolen, stole so many things from paganism. And that's the thing is that it's another, that's why I think pagans are crucified. And I'm, I'm just, I mean, so much is because Christianity stole so much for them from them. So they're like, well, we have to just keep, you know, crucifying them so that people don't see all the stuff that we did. And I'm not saying that every aspect of being a pagan could be great and wonderful or every aspect of witchcraft, but it just always bothers me where it's like you have, I mean, they just, every show that includes that seems to want to go there. And I understand this is a supernatural show. I understand why they would do that, but it's just something that always bothers me. So I just thought I would mention that. And I know it's something that is something in that community that really always is a bane of their existence, <laughs> you know, because people do not understand that, that very well. So, okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Well, one thing I do want to touch on that we didn't really touch on at all is Hep V and the comparison, of course, that that, you know, AIDS. That's really what that is. And I want to just ask just briefly how you think the show handled that Meg the comparison is it's you can't not make it because when like the big thing when the show came out was talking about kind of the allegories and the metaphors of coming out of the closet versus coming out of the coffin um and it was 
especially when you look at it in that context, it's gross. Um, so these people get in, get infected with Hep V, and then they become ravaging, raging, soulless monsters who just all they want to do is wipe other people out, good quote unquote good people out, and the good vampires and and all of this other stuff. And I think it would have been less gross, I guess, if they hadn't made such a big deal of this being kind of a coming out of the coffin and coming out of the closet if they hadn't tied those two things together so much in the beginning like i'm just even talking about like press releases and and Mm -hmm. hbo itself not necessarily even inside the show um but if you look at the history in the lgbtq community with hiv and aids and how demonized um, people were who contracted this disease and then you look at how the show portrays these hep v vampires and it just it makes me feel really really uncomfortable like the storyline itself of yeah what if people tainted a food source and it you know basically kind of turned them into vampire zombies um that itself i think was really interesting but tying it because it was tied so tightly to the LGBTQ plus community, it made it just, I, I just didn't, I didn't not like it at all. I am trying to think of a way to say it. That's not what I've already said about four times about how gross it was. Like it was just, yeah. I just, I hated it. Yeah. Like just thinking about like, oh yeah, who is sitting there and be like, yeah, we've, we've really made this kind of a real big deal about our show and let's make these people get a disease that you can catch through body fluids, through having sex, through biting, through like any kind of contact with an infected and uninfected person. And then that turns you into a monster who will do nothing but continue to infect everybody else around you. And it just, it was gross. It was, it was bad when you think about all of the context that is within it, because this, this isn't in the show's not in a vacuum it's not in something that's totally separated from real life and they had a i think they they really they really screwed the pooch on on that whole thing and they did it yeah. to themselves yeah but sasha do you have anything to add on that um i know that tanya is going to do a much better job on this than i am but i just wanted to throw yep. out like i agree <laughs> with with meg it's the it's re-demonizing a group of people. It's just the demonization of a group of people. Um, And that's really all I can add to that. It was just, that's it. Tanya? Yeah, I don't know that I'll do better. Y'all are setting me up to like try to sound smart. And, um, but I agree. That's, that was very problematic. It just, you know, the fact that we've, if you had, if this plot line had come out in the 80s, Right in the late 80s, when there was moral panic and all these fears, not that that justifies that around HIV AIDS, and and it was very uh, stigmatized and not well understood, and it still is, it would have at least made a little bit more sense. But for this to have come out seven years ago, when we've learned so much about HIV AIDS and the fact that, you know, making that commentary as this is you know, the worst kind of virus that uh, people want to spread it 
right? Um, and then kind of saying that people who are already stigmatized are going to try to come after, you know, the quote unquote good people, the normals, you know, when it really it's the the quote unquote good people who are spreading COVID. No, um, but it just, you know, you know, it's like, it's so wild to think about that now for me versus COVID and the masking and not masking debates. And I'm probably not supposed to talk about that here. I don't remember. If you no, you can, t- like I but said, you COVID, can be, I've said, you okay. can be as open about politics as Oh, you no, want no. To I just, I, there's another podcast I speak for and, and I, I, I realize, and it's like, they have a ban on saying the C word oh. and not, and that the C word is not, and I'm, now I'm going to swear, Republican which was the best line of the whole series <laughs> yes. that Sam gets to say <laughs> um, in season seven. But uh, yeah, anyway, the C word, you can't say COVID. But yeah, the parallels there. Yeah, it, I mean, if I wanted to really dive into the sociology, social psychology of that and talk for another hour, I could. I won't, but it's just, I agree. That's very problematic and frankly, kind of shocking that they would have went with that at that time period to me very surprising well and and especially because the whole thing in the beginning of the show was they were like vampires were demonized and stigmatized and all put as like this blanket of monsters um who are evil and who don't want to do anything but eat your children but then it delved deeper into who vampires are as quote-unquote people or there were it wasn't like a very blanket statement of like, we learned that that wasn't true, that the stigmatization stigmatization and demonization was wrong and it was bad to do that. Um, when it comes to the Hep V thing is like, it just reinforces the, the stigmatization because they all are just basically starving, hungry, mindless monsters who are going to wipe out small towns. Small town America is getting wiped out because the feds only care about the big cities and, and all of that other nonsense and yeah adding the other layer of covid kind of onto this is and oh not to interrupt but your comment meg reminds me though too of the whole the whole debate about equal rights in the show too and in terms of unfortunately that because at the beginning they're like oh the vampire rights amendment and we do see some interesting commentary in season seven when bill bill knows he's dying and he's trying to figure out his estate yeah. Right. And and we see him struggling with bureaucracy, which I kind of thought was was interesting and brilliant. I didn't love that he ends up, you know, killing the lawyer um, and after she tries to exploit him. But OK, but the whole commentary about equal rights where it tends to become polarizing, like, oh, if this group has rights, they're taking something from me. You know mm-hmm. how that that gets exploited. And I think, unfortunately, that's where it went to with the way that was shown in that. See, if you give these these vampires these rights, they're going to come eat your town. Yeah. You know, they're going to, they're going to come after your kids, blah, blah. Um, and it, unfortunately it just devolved into that. I think. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of, you know, if you are going to have representation, if you're going to be talking about certain things that you should talk about, just having them in there, and just because you say you're a liberal show or just because you say you're open-minded does not mean that your portrayal is going to be good. That's the thing is it depends on how you do it and how you show it. If you show it in a way that in the long run is actually harmful to the community that you say that you're trying to help support or that you say you're trying to show in a good light, 
then it's BS. Then you shouldn't have even done it in the first place because you're doing harm on top of harm. You know, it's like, you know, you can't have like, you can't say, okay, well, we had representation because we had, you know, this person in there. But if you kill them, like within two seconds, then that's not representation. It's that same kind of argument. Or if you make every single um, Asian character in a show be evil or bad or, you know, or, you know, fit into a certain stereotype, just because you have Asian people in your show doesn't mean that you're doing representation. It's the way you do the representation. And I think this played into a lot of those stereotypes um, I think it didn't at first, but I think the more they explored it and the deeper they delve into it, it really did. And it also was a way um, to shame people for their sexuality and not just and not just being part of LGBTQIA plus community, but to shame anyone for being sexual, to shame anyone for wanting to be open about their sexuality, for anyone who enjoyed sex. It was another way to shame that. And for a show that wanted to be so open minded and wanted to show people enjoying sex so much, they at the same time would do this storyline where it's like bad, 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 you know, or, you know, you shouldn't be wanting to have sex with more than one person and you shouldn't be wanting to have sex with someone that you're not married to, that kind of stuff. So it had that, it, the tinge of that. And then while I think it's okay to try and show trying to find a cure, I think the way they went about it felt almost shameful as well. It almost felt like they were shaming us wealth with the whole way they did that. And so I just think it was a storyline that they didn't have um, the right writers or the right people behind the scenes working on it or something. I don't know because I wasn't there, of course, but it they just didn't do it right. And they just kind of went, okay, we're, we're, we are saying something special. We're saying you shouldn't discriminate. But at the same time, you're showing the worst of the worst vampires are the ones that have this disease. And that's mm. just not okay. That's just not okay. That does harm, whether yeah. you want to admit it or not. So well, and it was yeah. and that's another one of those things where it's just like waste of potential because I, I personally thought the whole prison camp and stuff like that. I thought that was a fairly interesting storyline because it's absolutely realistic that that's something that would be happening. Yeah. Of course, they're going to start researching and trying to figure out everything they can. And of course, they're going to try um, to protect themselves from the influence of the vampires in their midst. And and that's the experimentation wrong. Wanting to have like glamour proof contacts yeah. and stuff. Completely understandable and completely right. And then they just compl- they just devolved into this really harmful, awful storyline and it just it, it it i'm i'm kind of like i'm mad i'm on this panel because it means i had to watch that uh last season <laughs> that i had been avoiding for so long no i'm just kidding but it just yeah and you have a response especially if you're going to be sitting here and boasting about how great your representation is and how mm-hmm. and, and all of that stuff you have a responsibility to do it correctly and i don't know how anybody this group of writers and producers could sit there and look at the show and, and knowing what um, not even just society, but what the government did to the LGBTQI plus society cult a community during that time, during the eighties. And, and it, it baffles me that this was something that was allowed to happen. I think Tanya got it right in the head. Like when you think about it, this was 2014 yeah, that it, and then you think about it, gay marriage wasn't even legal when the show finished yeah. airing. And to, to, 
I'm just going to sit here and put my head in my hands and just like, this show makes me so angry sometimes. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's correct. And, and that stuff, you know, with, with AIDS and, and the judgment on that was pervasive in the nineties too. And it was oh, yeah, pervasive. For, yeah. So it's some, and, but it's just sad that this show had to keep doing that. And when the show when Jessica and Hoyt got married, while I loved that Jessica and Hoyt ended up together and I love that they got together, I, it kind of bothered me that they decided they would, I mean, that they would put that as a parallel to gay marriage being legal mm -hmm. just because it's like watching two, two straight people get married. Yes. I understand they're trying to, you know, cause she's a vampire, but at the same time, it just bothered me because it was kind of, I don't know. It was like, the heterosexual agenda taking over even that it just was like okay i want them together but let, we don't have to throw that in there we well, don't have to put that in there just let them get married and the, just yeah tanya go ahead yeah i think when after the last i watched the last episode i dm'd y'all and said the heterosexual yes. agenda mm -hmm. ruins everything <laughs> um and I, and I identify as straight but let me let me say what i mean by that um Exactly. Like that was, I understand that's what they were going for, but the fact that every single character's happy ending, other than Bill dying, was partnering up with somebody and having babies. Yep. What mm -hmm. the I hell? <laughs> like that, okay, so here's, I think, why we ended up with a show that, that in some ways was good about representation and in some ways was went to a really problematic place that we've just discussed. And the answer to that is internalized oppression and dominant structures. So the answer is sociological in the way that, you know, all of these norms and values and things that exist outside of us become ingrained in our head. Even if we are of a marginalized status, we can have negative attitudes about our own selves. So for example, you know, people who identify as LGBTQ may also have bias against LGBTQIA people, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. Like I know I'm going into yep. professor mode, but I think this is precisely what happened in the writer's room. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Meg. No, um, I do. <laughs> that, you know, you could you could have a you can have someone is is correct me if I'm wrong, but is Ryan Murphy, does he identify as gay? He does. Uh, and he, okay. uh, yeah, we talked a lot about how and problematic he is. Yes. Is mm -hmm. still homophobic, correct? And very homophobic. And like from what very other folks have mm -hmm. told me, because I don't watch, I don't like scary stuff. I can handle mm -hmm. exploding vampire ticks. Well, and Alan Ball, Alan Ball, who is the creator <laughs> of this show and the showrunner, mm -hmm. also identifies yeah. as gay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you can have folks, right, who are members of communities also contribute to marginalization because it's the structure. It's the social structure in the same way that women will police each other's, you know, femininity and performance, et cetera, and men will police each other and, and enforce mm -hmm. those, those masculine norms. You have that. And so the I thought it was just really problematic because it ends up being a, a so what ending too. Okay. So mm -hmm. not only do you get this really offensive commentary on HIV positive status, right. And in the, just as in the real world, I think in some places, gay men can still not donate blood or is that true? Oh, yeah, or yeah. has that changed? I'm pretty sure that's still that's true. Still I think they're true. working on changing yeah. it, but yeah, I think it's still true. true. Mm -hmm. So in the same way that we know better now, we know that, you know, people who don't have same sex sex can be just as likely to carry HIV, right? And and all of that. We know this, but there's still that structural embedded discrimination that really affects everyone. Um, mm -hmm. And so you get this highly problematic storyline 
And you get this unsatisfactory ending that just is the ultimate in happiness is settling down with someone who's clearly straight, maybe gay, um, in the case of Lafayette, and you have babies and you have, and it's like, look, personal fulfillment and growth can look different. You know, mm -hmm. I think it was actually somewhat good that Sookie decided to keep, she had the opportunity to stop having the tele telepathy and she chose to keep it. That made sense to me. That was important mm -hmm. as a character. She had to have that journey because a lot of this whole story is about her reckoning with her ability or disability, depending on how it's socially um, defined and structured. So we didn't even talk about disability representation in this, but that's another thing I could yeah. I could go on about. Um, but her ending up with the same casting for Sam's mystery wife in Supernatural mystery husband i know you never see yeah. his face tall really? dark blurry <laughs> i don't know with a beard <laughs> yeah tall dark blurry there. with the beard yeah and like i mean if i just found that so frustrating like if she had wanted to have kids etc fine but and then the whole jason hooking up with bridget like come on it, it just was just stupid. Well, like, and yeah, he decided he's going to marry the one woman that he doesn't have sex with the first night. He, like, it was this whole big thing, like, when I'm not going to have sex with him. And that's the one that he's going to marry, is the one who he withholds um, a sexual relationship from. Like, the first yeah. one. And it's... Yeah. And I... Mm -hmm. I, I if anybody it, on that show has an STD, it's him, by the way. Like, not to be offended, just, I'm just saying. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and... It, uh, in retrospect, looking at just in general, the comparison of coming out of the closet um, of having vampires be kind of an allegory for for people in the LGBTQI plus society um, or community is inherently kind of problematic because they are still portrayed as monsters, like mm -hmm. the not even just like people's perception of them. They're still portrayed generally as monsters, except for a few good ones. <laughs> and and I, I remember when this show came out and it was like this whole kind of big deal. And, and it, they did a fairly good job, like we said, with the vampire rights amendment and everything like that. And kind of showing that the bureaucracy, the kind of the, what I think would kind of happen if this was a real thing. And then it just went completely off the rails um, because vampires are not a good allegory for, for gay people, they're gay people are not monsters who are going to come and and feast on you. I mean, I love vampires, but <laughs> but I just and and I and I was trying while you were talking, Tony. I was trying to think of like what kind of supernatural creature would be a better kind of allegory, I guess. And I just, it, I don't know. I think the show was just wound up being very irresponsible with their own kind of major message about representation. Yeah, I think that yeah. some some people have drawn that comparison with the way um, lycanthropes are portrayed in in media in terms of the mm -hmm. HIV, AIDS, and and other STIs. And I didn't mean to slut shame uh, Jason's <laughs> backhouse or add to the stigma of folks. I was saying it's frustrating because it tends to fall back into. I meant what I meant by that was it falls back into stereotypical ideas about who carries this and who doesn't or who. Mm -hmm. Yeah who's mm -hmm. going to be the, you know, the person to spread that and who, who isn't. And that, I think that's a disservice, but just wanted to clarify. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I agree. Um, and I'll just add really quickly on that with the, with 
uh, having people behind the scenes who do identify as being in the community. Um, and going back to, we discussed this countless times with Ryan Murphy. Um, there's that, you know, you were talking about it, Tanya, that there is that internalized homophobia that a lot of people in the community can have. And then also, of course, that prejudice against other people in the community. I mean, you know, you see it, especially with trans people and then bi and stuff like that. So it can be where, okay, we can forgive this, where I think sometimes what happens is people can forgive that because they're like, well, that person's a part of the community. So it's okay if they discriminate and it's not okay. So, so just because you're also part of the community doesn't mean you're also going to write representation. Okay. It's the same kind of thing. You know, it's the same kind of thing with, you know, women wanting to fight for, you know, women being feminists and yet they don't want to be all inclusive in their feminism. It's the same kind of thing, you know? So if it's just, it's, it's an issue, it's a problem. It's also lazy, frankly. I mean, it's lazy to fall back on that. And it's, just it's old and stuff and sadly I don't see it changing really that much or anything but yeah okay well for time we're just going to get to I know there's a bunch of other stuff we didn't cover but we're just going to get to the end because I know I don't think anybody likes the ending of this show that's <laughs> on this panel <laughs> um so I just want to know really quickly what would have been your you don't have to map out the whole thing but what would have been the biggest wish for you Meg for when I ended this show, like the biggest thing. First off, I don't think I've ever talked to anybody who watched the show and liked the ending. <laughs> like, and, yeah. and that's not even like necessarily even a dig. It's just kind of considered a universally mm -hmm. awful ending. Like I like game of Thrones or how I met your mother and stuff or like Dexter. that. Or Dexter or <laughs> Dexter. Um, it's just kind of universally like, mm -hmm. we just don't acknowledge like, or even Gilmore girls. Like we just don't acknowledge that season exists for, for a lot of people. And I think it's funny telling that most of us, hadn't even seen the seventh season by the time, yep. <laughs> like before this panel, ideally for, for me, the ending would have been Sookie and Eric. Like I, and I, it was very frustrating for me because the half fae half vampire storyline with Warlow that we never even touched on where the two of them could just be together and day walk together and feed off of each other. And they would never have to hurt any people ever again. And they could just walk the earth forever. And I was like, well, I don't know why she can't do the Eric. No. <laughs> But I mean, like my own personal like fantasy wish fulfillment would be with Suki and Eric together because I think they were just a really good match as far as everybody else is concerned. I just, anything really but what happened. Like like Tanya and you guys were all right when you talked about like, so all these people are, they're, they're happy because they pushed out some babies and mm -hmm. are in a monogamous committed relationships. And that's just not what reality is is i mean and there's nothing wrong with being in a monogamous relationship and having children i mean obviously i am in a monogamous marriage with children uh, but that's not the only way to be and mm -hmm. that's not the be all end all for your personal satisfaction and your life we all know that there are people who don't want to ever get married we know people who are in polyamorous relationships and things like that and 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 they're all equally valid and to have the show end on a note where it's just like, nope, this is it. The only way you can be happy is if you're all sitting around a Thanksgiving dinner with your single one partner that you love more than anything and will be with forever, no matter what, I promise, um, was really, really disappointing. And so honestly, 
I don't have an ideal ending for any of the other characters aside from Suki and Eric, to be perfectly honest. Bill died, which made me super happy. Um, <laughs> in my in my opinion, he uh, would have loved to watch him die much much sooner. But I just, yeah, kind of just anything other than what we saw. Yeah, Sasha, I agree. Anything other than what we saw would have been fantastic. <laughs> I was even okay when I thought it was only six seasons and she ended up with Alcide. I was like, all right, I this is okay. Um, you know, whatever. Uh, ultimately, I amnesia Eric and Sookie. Like, they're just the cutest thing ever. But yeah, anything other than what happened, I think would have been better. Unless she ended up with Bill at the end and then that would have been a travesty. Sookie. <laughs> that would have been horrible. Yeah, and Tanya. Yeah, I think I I didn't hate the idea that family is what you make it and the idea of them coming right, together. Yeah. You know, we didn't even touch on Thanksgiving as a whole problematic thing. <laughs> um, but the, the idea of the community coming becoming a community that is, um, for lack of a better word, integrated, because that's also a little uncomfortable the way that they tried to show that. And then there were there were there was resistance but the metaphor for it being like racial integration was a little uncomfortable for mm -hmm. me um but the idea that found family is is worth it and you can celebrate together and define who your family is is not the problem heterosexual agenda that i identified earlier like that that would be no i agree yeah okay <laughs> with me if if it had happened differently and i again i am also a married woman with children uh, in a monogamous relationship. However, that is not the sum total of my self-actualization is popping out some kids, although I did that. Did it really well. Um, but I'm just going to say, one of them was nine pounds and six ounces. And I tell her that every day and that she should thank me. Um, anyway, so yeah. But it just, like that, that's not, for Suki to, again, Suki's acceptance of her power cool like I, that that fits for me but also she did exactly what bill wanted her to do and it's like pick something for yourself woman fairy fairy woman person like just have your own thing going on christ like that's just what i wanted for people to have their own kind of agency and for that reason i think jessica and hoyt i, I thought i didn't hate that I didn't like the the parallel to gay marriage that we talked about, but it, that relationship of like they were too young when they got together. She screwed up. He's you know he was still like overly influenced by his mom and all this other stuff, and they had a lot of trouble. But then they come back together. Like I didn't hate that because that showed growth to me. Um, but the fact that like that was everyone else's storyline. Barf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and i'll speak as a woman who never wants to have children i never want to have kids and as a woman you know you get well you're selfish that's the number one thing you'll get number two you know you're going to regret it if you don't have children um those are the big two things you will get um you know you're selfish you just want to have more you time um and you know deciding that uh you know i'll just say personally coming to that decision was not something I did lightly. It took a long time to come to that decision and to decide I didn't want to have kids. And frankly, I did it for 
purely unselfish reasons, which I'm not going to get into on here, but it was purely unselfish. It wasn't to, to me, it would have been more selfish to have children, honestly, but that's, I won't get into that. Uh, so whenever I see that, it, it always bothers me. Or whenever I see shows where they might have a female character and they didn't like do this necessarily on this show, but you might have a female character that is saying the whole time, I don't want to have kids. I don't want to have kids. And then all of a sudden, magically, she wants to have kids because she meets the right guy. And so that's all it takes. And, you know, but this plays into that. I mean, she wanted, you know, Sookie wanted to be with a vampire, but Bill is like, no, you want to have that normal life and have those kids and have all of that stuff that all every woman really, truly wants and desires in life, which is not true. So that was really annoying. It was just kind of like, okay. And it felt like it wasn't even the same show. <laughs> that last scene didn't even seem like the same show. While I agree with all the found family and all that kind of stuff and coming together and, you know, you're your family isn't necessarily who you're born into and all that jazz. I do like that, but it felt almost like I was watching the end of a WB show, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it was so like, <laughs> even the music and just, <laughs> it was like, wait, am I watching the end of like Dawson's Creek here or am I watching the end of True Blood? I mean, it just didn't fit. Yeah. Like, I feel compelled okay, but... to add here that um, just not wanting to have kids because you don't want to give up your time or your body or anything like that. I hate the moral kind of justification that women have to do because they don't want to have kids. If you don't want to have kids just because you don't like kids and you don't want to change, you just don't like changing dirty, any valid, any reason that someone chooses to not have children is a valid reason. Mm -hmm. And it's not, and I'm not saying that it's not. a valid reason. I'm like, well, no, but, yeah. I'm, but I'm also, but I'm also not saying feel that. compelled. I feel compelled to like say that it's not a moral failing. And I feel like a lot of people who choose to be child-free get that it, are, are kind of told that it's a moral failing on them. Or like you said, that you'll regret it or anything like that. And it's just, it's, it frustrates me as a woman and just as a human being, because even when you're talking about like people say that it's selfish or you're, and you're like, and, and you're talking about your choice and saying that for you, you're doing it for unselfish reasons. It feels like you feel compelled to justify your choice and you don't have to, if you, it, and, and no one has to, if you just decided, I don't want to have kids, then that's valid. I no, can't I'm decide saying... now that I don't want to have kids because they're here. <laughs> no, I'm saying that because it really, honestly, I mean, this is before any of you knew me, but this was honestly a really, really hard thing. I mean, when I was younger, I had names picked out for my children. Mm -hmm. So this was a very difficult thing that I came to, but I also don't like kids. I mean, when I got older, I went, you know, I really don't like children. They bug me. They bother me. They're annoying. I, you know, so, I mean, no offense because you all have kids and all your kids are wonderful, but I'm just saying for me, I'm just not a, I'm just not, I'm just not a big, a big fan. And so I knew I didn't have the patience also was another thing. Um, you know, so yeah. And I'm, I'm not saying at all that that's not valid. I'm just saying that there's a, there's a reason for that. Every person comes that every person comes to that decision. And you know, there are, I mean, I just, it's just annoying. It's just a personal thing. That's annoying. It's one of my personal pet peeves, probably just because it's the personal decision that I came to. And I know people 
think I'm going to regret that because I've had a lot of people say you're a natural mother. And I'm like, no, I'm just really not. I'm a natural dog mom, but that's totally different. So, you know. Um, I have a dog you can take. No. Just saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love your dog, but. <laughs> well, I think the other part of that that's frustrating is I don't think we, uh, it's a double standard. It continues to be a double standard. You don't look at necessarily look at a man our age and harangue him for not wanting to have children. People aren't going, Mm -hmm. well, you're going to regret it, you know? And, and the assumption is that that's still available for men much longer than it is for women. And it's, that's not necessarily a valid assumption anyway, but the idea that you have to be partnered and have children and that's your peak sort of beingness is very um, heteronormative. <laughs> so that's that's frustrating to see that in the ending. But. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't even say what I wanted to happen, but I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, it's not it's me. I'm the one who went off on the other things and didn't even say what I wanted. Um, but what I, I mean, of course, I would want Eric and Sookie together. I mean, that's the number one thing. And so I'll just say that because I don't really know what else I would have wanted because at that point I was just like, I just want this show to be over with. So it's kind of like, whatever, it's done. We're done with this. Good. I don't have to watch this. But I did want to just quickly mention the polls that we did take. Um, So I did a poll, what your favorite, who your favorite vampire was. And Eric did win that. Um, I had Eric, Pam, Bill, who did receive a vote. I, we had some Bill fans voting for in these polls because he received a vote in every poll he was in. So <laughs> there were Bill fans um, and Pam Jess and Jessica and Jessica didn't receive a single vote. I felt kind of bad for her. She didn't receive a single vote for favorite vampire um, for who Suggy should be with Eric. Like I said, one overwhelmingly bill did get some votes and so did Alcide. And then the other one I had, there was other and that didn't get any votes. For favorite character uh, that wasn't one of the vampires I had on there, you know, I had Sam, um, Lafayette, Sookie, and Tara, and Lafayette won hands down more than anything. Um, and then I had like your favorite other supernatural character, and it was a tie between shapeshifters and werewolves. So, yeah, so that was that was interesting. Okay, well, we're gonna go ahead and wrap this episode up, um, and just I'm just gonna go around and have everybody say where they can be found, Meg. Um, you can find me and Carla at Bed, Wed, Behead Pod on Twitter. And you can find me, I mean, you can find us on all of the formats. Carla's not here. She normally does our Bed, Wed, Behead Pod. I'm not going to lie. And, and I told I said before, I'm a little hungover. So, but we're mostly on Twitter and you can find us at Bed, Wed, Behead Pod. Um, you can find us on Instagram at bed.wed.behead pod, I believe. Um, and you can, I don't fucking know. Sorry. <laughs> I don't run our social media. Um, and you can find my personal social media um, at Wisconsinac, which is W-I-S-C-O-N-S-E-N-N-A-C-H. And I like that Aaron's just laughing at me. <laughs> Again, cute. blame cute. Carla. Blame Carla. <laughs> she gave me that nickname. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Sasha. Yep. Uh, on the Instagram at vegan geek chick. Uh, and there'll also be a link to the dog previously mentioned that also barked on cue for me. Um, and you can follow him. Timing. I know. I was like, really? You have, you've been sleeping this entire time. The one second that I'm talking about Alcide, the werewolf, you wake up to chase the cat. <laughs> one split second. 
that he was conscious because after that he passed out again. <laughs> he's such a funny dog. He's a demon dog. He's adorable. He's adorable, but he's 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 a trip. I know Fergie would Fergie would like I've said Fergie would be like get away from me. Oh yeah, he would burst <laughs> She's a clown. Yeah. Like you're too much for me. Yeah, uh, he is he is too much. Yep. And then Tanya. Well, instead of finding me, if you have some of my blood, <laughs> I can find you, especially if you're in danger. No, um, not really, but that's weird. Um, but you can find online uh, at AK Nerd Fighting, and the AKNNF are capitalized on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much. And this is Aaron. You can follow me on Twitter at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback, any show notes, any questions about our upcoming horror trivia event, feel free to reach out to us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. And next week, my unofficial co-host Carla will be back for both episodes. So starting with Superstore, which actually, since this is dropping on Friday, our live stream for that is tomorrow night at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So and she'll be joined by Bex, who it's her first time on the podcast as well. So that'll be fun. And I just finished watching Superstore and talk about a satisfying. That's a satisfying ending. <laughs> Okay. It really, really was. I'm yes, that so was sad. That was a very good ending. Yes, I'm sad. Meg was originally going to be on that episode, but sadly she can't be on anymore. So I'm sad about that too. And then we're going to do just a fun little episode uh, that Carla and Paula will be on where we're just going to talk about just stuff that we are into right now, like shows, podcasts, movies. And after I put this on there, I was like, Aaron, all you have been watching is stuff for the podcast. What in the world are you going to put on here? So maybe I'll just mention stuff that I've never mentioned on here before or something. But that one should be a lot of fun. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.